Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer requests, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. So tonight's going to be a very practical teaching, which I'm not used to doing. I'm used to going to retreats, right? And we just go deep into the, the, the deep waters of healing our hearts and things like that. But we're going to do some very practical teaching tonight about balancing our lives. So wisdom, the definition of wisdom is the proper application of knowledge. And so what we're going to learn tonight is just simple wisdom. The thing about wisdom, everybody say wisdom is that it's very simple, okay? It's, it's not complicated. In fact, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20, and I think they, you have that verse on your notes, but we're also going to have them on the screen. Um, you don't have to be distracted by your notes. If you're not a note taker and you're like, I would rather just listen, just set it aside and just listen. But if you're melancholy and detailed like me and you like to take notes, that's just there to help you out. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20 says, wisdom shouts in the streets. She cries out in the public square. She calls to the crowds along the main street, to those gathered in front of the city gate. And then Proverbs chapter 8, verse 1 says, listen as wisdom calls out. Hear as understanding raises her voice. So what that tells me right there in Proverbs is that wisdom's screaming out in the streets. It's available. It is readily available to all of us. And sometimes we hear the word wisdom and we're like, like thinking of Yoda, like, oh, this is some kind of deep thing. I need to be a Buddhist monk to have wisdom. I need to go off and, and seek God for 30 days and 30 nights to find wisdom. But that's not true. The Bible says that wisdom is crying out in the streets. And so some of you have come in here tonight and you're like, okay, life has gotten out of control. My schedule's out of control. My house is out of control. My kids are out of control. Life is just out of control. What do I do? Well, wisdom, the Bible says, is readily available to you. In fact, wisdom is oftentimes common sense. It's just needing to be applied to your life. So let's go back to the definition. The proper application of knowledge. What is knowledge? Knowledge is what you're about to gain tonight or that you read in a book or that you learn about from watching a YouTube video or any type of other knowledge that you gain. But then what do you do when you walk away from gaining that knowledge? You have to go and apply it. And that, my friend, is wisdom. So if you want to be wise, we apply the wisdom. So if you look at your notes, the first little blank that you need to fill in there is knowledge and applying, knowing and applying are two different things. A lot of people are walking around claiming to know a lot of things, right? We claim to know, you know, what's the best diet, keto or paleo or high-fat, low-carb or high-carb, low-fat. Or we, we, we have a lot of knowledge, especially in today's world, right? We have the Internet. You could right now Google just about any fact you wanted to know and you could have it. But knowing it and applying it are two different things. So as we go through these points tonight, I don't want you to go... I already know that. I want you to go, am I applying that? Because that's what I'm doing right now in my life is I'm saying, okay, it's fine to know these things, but am I practicing these things? Okay? So if you see a verse tonight that you're super familiar with, because a lot of this is going to be common sense, a lot of this is going to be real simple knowledge and wisdom, but the question I want you to ask yourself is, okay, that's a good verse. Am I applying that verse? Am I practicing? Am I carrying that verse out? So why is this important? 
okay? Why is balancing life important? And I alluded to this on Sunday at the end of the, not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before. Well, your time is your most important commodity, right? And that, I think, is in your notes there, time management. Your time is your most valuable commodity. Everybody in your life wants a piece of your time, yeah? Do your kids want your time? Do your husband want your time? Does your wife want your time? Does your boss want your time? Does um, your neighbor want your time? Your landlord want, hey, can I just get you for one second? Hey, can I grab you for a minute? Hey, can I talk to you for a second? Hey, can I, can I, can I call you? Hey, can we sit down? Hey, quick question. Quick question. Quick. Well, lots of quick questions turn into hours and hours and hours of your day, right? Especially if you have kids that are just constantly like little Max, Vanessa's little boy, is the most inquisitive, smart little ask-a-million-questions kiddo in the whole world. So why is this important? Well, because your time is so important. Your, we talked about this on Sunday. Your hours become your days. Your days become your weeks. Your weeks become your, your months become your, and your years become your life. And so now we look back and we're like, what just happened to the last six years of my life? Where did it go? Well, we have to apply wisdom and be aware of where our time is going. Because if we want to be effective in this life, if we want to fulfill the calling of God in our lives, if we want to have successful marriages and successful families and successful businesses and successful churches, and if we want to be effective in this life, then we have to be aware of where those minutes are going. We have to be intentional about those minutes. So another thing, this is all still the, the me, me introing into what I'm going to talk about tonight, is that life isn't a formula. There's lots of different personalities in here tonight, right? You got your free spirits that are like, I don't need a formula. And then you got your other people that are like, no, tell me exactly how to do it and I will do it. Tell me how it works and I'll, I will follow that formula and that will lead me to success. For those of you that like formulas, I apologize, but life is not a formula. Um, imagine I have a, a giant silver dollar up here, and there's how many sides to every coin? There's two sides to every coin. And so life requires our flexibility. It, it requires us to apply wisdom, but it also requires us to shift with the changing seasons and the changing circumstances of life. So this is not a formula. Those of you who are going to sit there and go, okay, she's about to give me a formula. I'm going to walk out of here tomorrow, and I'm going to do exactly this. No, that's not the way it works. For some of these points, you're going to be like, yes, okay, that is what I need to apply. For other points, you're going to be like, not today, not right now. That's not the season that I'm in. But it's up to us to be able to discern the difference in where God's leading us and which side of the coin we're on. Does that make sense? Okay. So, number one, let's go ahead and jump right in. Number one, and this is the most important point, this is what we talked about at the retreat for the ladies who went, we went into detail into this point for a long, long time, quiet the noise. What does that mean? That means setting, setting time aside to quiet yourself in the Lord's presence, to be with the Lord, to get rid of the phones, to get rid of the distractions, to quiet down the brain that is running a thousand miles a minute when you lay down. Last night I went to bed and I was so tired. I go to bed really early. I went to bed tired last night. But the last thing we did before we went to sleep was watch the Weather Channel. Well, everybody knows there's a major hurricane about to hit the East Coast and my parents are like, every time we watched the storm track last night, it was like the eye was going right over my parents' house. And I was like, 
it didn't necessarily scare me, but it kind of got my mind going. And so when it was time to turn off the lights and go to sleep, I just laid there and thought for probably two hours. I couldn't turn it off. And so when I say quiet the noise, I mean probably wasn't the best thing in the world to do last night to watch the Weather Channel right before bed. But I think that it's important that we take time to, we talked about this at the retreat, so I'm not going to go into deep detail, but quiet the noise to where we can actually hear God's voice because it's important that we're sensitive enough to hear what God's saying and then apply what he's saying. But see, a lot of times we want to apply our own wisdom, our own understanding, our own thinking of how our day should be, or we compare ourselves with what's going on with social media. Oh, all these things... Okay, I'm going to use this as an example for those of you ladies in the house who have signed up for every email and you get coupons in your email and in your social media all the time. And you're like, oh, I need that. Oh, I need that too. Oh, there's a sale going on. I got to get down there today. I promise you it'll be on sale tomorrow probably. So the thing is, is that a lot of times we're, we're comparing ourselves or we're using our own wisdom or we're using our own understanding instead of quieting all that down, getting alone with God. See, look. How often do you really just spend quiet? No noise, no music except some maybe some soft worship where you're quieting your soul, quieting your mind, quieting all the distractions, and God begins to speak to you in that quiet, still moment. And then, and then you take that and you do the rest of these things and you have a highly effective life, but you can't do that if you're just using your own wisdom, Okay. The Bible says, and this isn't in your notes, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. So imagine you're creating this whole plan for your life, and you're like, this is how I'm going to make my first million, and this is how I'm going to build, get to my next house, or this is how I'm going to get my kids graduated into the best school, and this is how I'm going to get my kids into preschool, or whatever stage of life that you're in and you have this plan. The Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house... You're just laboring in vain. You're just spinning your wheels. You're just working in vain. And we don't want to use our energy in vain, right? Because we only have so much of the energy in one day. So also under that point, slow down. I have that written here in my notes. I personally am um, learning to slow down. I, um, I took a month after mom passed away this summer. I took a month and I slowed down and I just sought God and prayed and healed and went through some grieving and needed to just slow down. But then when I jumped back in, boy, did I jump back in. Like full throttle, full speed ahead, 5 a.m. till 8 o'clock, head on the pillow, asleep, up at 5, going hard, retreat and connect groups and this and that and events. And it was awesome. And I was on cloud nine and I was having fun and I was enjoying the organization and enjoying what God was doing. And then I realized... Full throttle is not sustainable over time. There will be seasons where you have to go full throttle. It's just it's the way that life is, but it's only a season, and we cannot sustain that over time. What happened? I got sick. And then I started feeling better, so I went to the gym because I thought I was feeling better, and I still hadn't up here slowed down enough. I was still thinking I could go full throttle. Oh, I recovered from that sickness, so let me go to the gym. And then I hurt my back. So then for two days I was like, I can't move. And somebody told me, Jen, it's probably God just telling you to slow down. And I'm like, you're right. I was in disobedience because I was pushing through and rushing through. And I had to go back two months and go, okay, God told me to do this, this, and this, and this. And I did it. But now here I am. 
I need to quiet the noise, and I need to hear what is this next season supposed to look like. Number two, understand seasons. Seasons are so important. There's wisdom in understanding seasons. Seasons are like the tides of the ocean, right? Um, Raise your hand in here if you are raising an infant. Okay. Oh, Barry's one. Okay. So, and Barry's raising an infant and has another one on the way. So there are these seasons where things are just different. Things are not like the, the, the normal routine of life just gets flipped upside down. That can also happen in times of crisis when you have a loved one who's sick or you have a, an injury in the family or there's a major family crisis or there's a financial crisis. Seasons like that, that it's necessary for you to pivot. And I love this quote here in your, in your notes. It says, the key to success is our ability to pivot with life circumstances. So it's tough for a personality like mine, who's very like type A, organized, planner, melancholy. I have a plan and it's working and I'm marching along and I'm in a routine and I'm in a nice rhythm and then all of a sudden life happens and I'm like still trying to do that same routine and it's not working and I'm frustrated and I'm using too much energy and then it's like stop, be flexible. There's something going on right now and you might have to change your plan a little bit. So we have to understand seasons. Not every season is going to look the same. We also have to, so we, in seasons we have to be flexible, but we also have to be brave enough to stop and go, okay, we got the kids going, we got them in school, they're doing, you know, they, they've already been in school for how long? About a month, they've already been in school, we got their school supplies, we got them in. Something's not right though. There's a lack of peace in our home. Something's wrong with my kid. He's not acting right. Something isn't right. And so a lot of times what happens is the, the spirit of God is on the inside of you and he is showing you that something's not right, you know, because you, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you and the Bible says that we are led by peace. And so if your peace is off, that's the first indicator for Matt and I at home, we always say, I'm always like, I have a lack of peace. Something's off. Something doesn't feel right. And we begin to seek God. What's off? What do we need to shift? What do we need to change? Where did we step out maybe of God's will? And so it's important that, hey, maybe that kid needs to switch schools. I saw somebody the other day on social media that said that that happened in her life. She had a teenage girl. The first month was horrible. She knew it was off and she was terrified, but she knew in her gut. My kid needs to have a second first day of school. So she pulled her out of that school, started all over again, and she just had her second first day of school after the school had already been going on for a month. That takes bravery and courage and planning and the ability to pivot with, with life circumstances. Does that make sense? Still with me? All right. So there are seasons of preparation. Um, and then there are seasons of crisis. And if you're aware that you're in a season of preparation, you'll settle down a little bit. Like sometimes it's like, this is my goal. This is where I see myself. This is where I see my life. This is where I see my business. Why am I not there? Well, if you're taking time to hear God's voice and he goes, hey, calm down. I'm preparing you. I'm teaching you. I'm working in you. I'm working out some of that pride in your life. I'm working out some of that insecurity. I'm working out some of that comparison and jealousy or selfish ambition or whatever it is that we all have in our lives because we're human and we're flesh. If we'll just settle down and say, hey, okay, God, you're preparing me, then we settle into a season of preparation and we're not fighting God in the preparation. Man, and those seasons of preparation are difficult on the flesh. 
Because it's like, no, I'm ready. I can do it. And God's like, sit down. You're not ready. I'm still working on you. Like that little, that little song we used to sing in Sunday school, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Yeah, that one. Well, seasons of preparation. If you're in a season of preparation, settle down. Enjoy the ride. Let him work on you. Let him just settle it. Because the sooner you settle into it and you let him work on you, the sooner the preparation will end. But then guess what? Then that season of preparation ends, and then it's time to, it's go time. And then you're like, oh my, no, I want to go back to preparing. This is scary. I'm not ready to step out. And so there's seasons of preparation. There's go time seasons. But then there's also seasons of crisis. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slow down on this point for just a second. Seasons of crisis are when you have to be aware, self-aware enough to say, okay, this isn't normal. This isn't a normal situation. This is a crisis situation in my life, and I need help. I cannot do this on my own. Some seasons you need to handle alone, and other seasons you don't. Let's look at, um, in your notes you can write down, it's burdens versus loads. Galatians 6 verse 2 says, carry each other's, okay, this is the same chapter, right? Let's look at Galatians 6 here, and I love how people say, the Bible contradicts itself. Well, let's look into it and let's understand what it's saying. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For, and then look down to verse 5. It says, for each one should carry their own load. Okay, so real quick, a boulder, imagine I'm carrying a boulder, right? That's a burden, Imagine I'm carrying a backpack. That's a load. And so what the Bible is saying here is saying, carry your own load. Do your own work. Don't come ask me to do your job. You do your work. But if you're going through a crisis and you're carrying a burden that you cannot carry alone, help someone carry their burden. Does that make sense? So now you understand the difference. Number three, list your priorities. Okay, Rapid fire. What are our priorities? Anybody? What's number one? Boom. God first. Number two, yourself. I'm going to put me. Number three, your spouse. And then right under that is your children, which is really family. Number four, job. Good. Now we're getting, everybody's like, I don't know. <laughs> That's kind of fun. Number five is friends. Or we can also say, well, I think fun goes up here with me because, I mean, what, what am I if I'm not having fun, right? <laughs> um, we schedule fun. Okay, so did you have a question? Ministry, that's a great question. Adrian just asked, what about ministry? That is a great question. Ministry actually is actually up here. If God's telling you to do something in the ministry, that goes up here right underneath him. Now, it's, it's down here, but it's tied into putting God first. Does that make sense? Okay, so list your priorities. Okay, now I'm going to get into the real practical. Okay, Jen, this is great. I want wisdom, but how? What do I do? Okay? Number one is list your priorities. These are your non-negotiables. Like, no matter what happens... This, I have to eat, I have to, it, it sounds weird, but this guy right here, I used to get his phone and schedule and put reminders to eat. 
I'm not kidding. Like he had three or four reminders throughout the day that would pop up and it would say, Matt, eat. Because he would forget to eat. Or he wouldn't be intentional and plan to eat. Okay? So number, number four is be intentional. Okay. You make time for these priorities, right? You make time for these priorities by being intentional. You also work into your budget these priorities. Okay? Work into your budget these priorities. Because where your money go, that's where your heart is. Where your money goes, that's where your heart is. And an example of that is that I live 2,000 miles away from my parents. But it is a priority to me that I make sure that I see them once a year at least and spend a holiday or a summer or something, some amount of time with my family, right? So we plan all year long that long, expensive trip to North Carolina because it is a priority, and it goes onto our calendar at the beginning of the year. Um, okay, so the relationship that needs attention in your life. Think about it right now. Let's say, okay, let's take... God, we're going to, what number are we on? Everybody holler at me. What number are we on? Okay, good. We're going to be intentional. So how are we going to be intentional? Well, we have our four weeks in our month, right? What are these weeks made up of? Days. And the days are made up of hours. So I want you to imagine that you've got blocks of hours in here. And it is amazing how many hours you have in a week. 168, dang, we got a scholar in the house. 168 hours in the week. In a week? Imagine what, how many you have in the month. And so when you say you don't have time for something, it's not necessarily true. It just means, number one, it's either not a priority in that season, or number two, you're deciding to not make it a priority in that season. Maybe it should be, but you've just decided for it not to be. Okay, so we're going to be intentional. I'm going to go quick. Number one, God. How can we first thing, make it simple, put God into this, into this month? Shout it. Church, Sunday. So we got a Sabbath. So we got the whole first half of Sunday that's blocked off God. All of these, all of these days, right? All four. What a novel idea. All four Sundays we're going to go to church in the month. Huh. Wow, okay. <laughs> All right, done. How about me time? Every day, okay? No, I have to have me time every day. I do that, okay? Except for Sunday. Um, so, my, so what I do for mine is I'm very intentional that that first hour of every day, Monday through, actually Monday through Thursday, for me, that's gin time. That's when I get up and spend time with God. That's when I go to the gym. That's when I, if I don't feel like going to the gym, I go for a walk. I don't answer my phone. I don't respond to text messages. That's me time. Okay, let's keep moving. Your spouse. Date night, boom. Friday evening, mm, two hours, three, four, what do we think? One. <laughs> five minutes. Hey, babe, how was your day? High five. Good to see you. <laughs> Okay, no. Okay, so we got date night. And if, if this isn't exact for you, Friday night might not work. Do a Saturday morning date. Do a Sunday afternoon date. Fit it in, but you put it into your calendar how it works. Spouse, done. Kiddos, family time. 
What do you think? Every Sunday after church, we're going to have family lunch. That would be an easy way to do it. We're going to listen to our kids. We're going to ask our kids questions. We're going to hear what's on their heart. We're going to hear what's on their mind. Our job takes up tons of our time. Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, 9 to 5, whatever it is, block that out. It's gone. She gone, right? (laughs) She gone. No time. So that's gone. All right. Now how about friends? Okay, let me pause here. Let's say that there's a relationship in your life that needs some special attention that you know in your heart. You're like, I haven't spent much time with her. She's been going through a lot. Man, that guy, he's my, he's my brother-in-law. He's my friend. He's been going through some stuff, and I haven't spent time with him. I need to just slow down, spend time with that person. Put it in your calendar. Do it. And then once you do it, follow through with it. I had this yesterday. I had somebody on my heart that I wanted to have coffee with, that I felt led to have coffee with, and I texted her last week and said, hey, can we have coffee next week? And then I got sick. And I was like, "Ah, I don't want to have to reschedule because it's important. It's priority. And so I stuck to that appointment that I made. Follow through. Okay? Be intentional. Number five, have a plan. Proverbs 21.5 says, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. All you free spirits in the house say, have a plan. Have a plan. Plan to not plan if you want to, but plan. Sometimes Matt and I, when it's our day off, I'm like, I don't want to have a plan. Can we just plan to not plan? Can we just stay in bed until as long as we can possibly stay in bed and figure out what we want the rest of the day? Because somebody like me, my friends, is planning all the time. Like, I'm planning how to plan the next plan all the time. So sometimes I'm like, can we just not plan? Can we plan to not plan? And he's like, yeah, he's the free spirit. He's like, I would love to not have a plan. But in defense of plans, which are my favorite thing in the whole world, in defense, in defense of plans, let's say you're on a vacation And for the first couple of days, you're like, we're not going to have a plan. We're going to just rest, like relax, sleep in, blah, 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 blah. But if you don't have a plan for the whole vacation, then you're like driving around in traffic for four hours and the kids are screaming and you're hot and the Uber driver's playing terrible music and his car smells like incense and you're frustrated and you just want to get to somewhere to eat and you end up eating at McDonald's. Where, if you had had a plan before you went. You know, what we do on vacation is we have a plan, but then we're flexible. Like we have, these are the the exciting restaurants in that town that we want to try. And if we don't try it that day, then we're like, I don't feel like it. Let's try it tomorrow. But have some sort of a plan because you're going to get more out of life if you actually have a plan. Number six. What time do I need to be done? Okay, it's 6.47. Okay. Okay, utilize boundaries. Everybody say, utilize boundaries. Okay, two things with this, and I want to get serious with you for a second. No one, and I mean no one, can manipulate me, intimidate me, or control me into doing anything. It wasn't always that way, but it's that way now. If I feel manipulated, if I feel intimidated, if I feel forced, or if I feel controlled, the answer is no. 
you should be the same way. Because if you know who you are in Christ, if you are confident enough in who you are, then it's okay to tell people no. If you have fear of man in your life, which I was the queen of, fear of approval, need for approval, fear of failure, fear of disapproval, fear of rejection, fear of I'm not doing it right. What if she doesn't like it? What if he doesn't like it? What if they don't like it? Who cares? You're going to do your best. You're going to be yourself. You're going to give your very best. You're going to use your gifts and your talents and your abilities. You're going to ask questions. You're going to learn. You're going to grow. You're going to develop. But you're going to be yourself, and you're going to have boundaries in your life, in marriage, in work, in relationships. Boundaries are key. Utilize them. Now, on the other side of this, we have people who have a fear of man issue, who just walk around constantly doing everything for everyone. But then we also have people who struggle with a passive spirit, which is also fueled by fear because they're afraid they won't succeed. They're afraid they won't do well. They are afraid they won't reach their goal. They're afraid they won't, for whatever reason, they're just afraid of failure. And so they're passive and they don't even try and they tell everybody no for everything. Fear of man is wrong, but a passive spirit is wrong as well. For some of us, we need to be set free of the fear of man and the need for approval. For some of us, we need to be set free from a passive spirit and we need to engage, answer the call, show up, rise up, stand up, do the job, do it. Matt and I have this thing at home where he thinks it's funny and I'm like, go man, go, do man, do. I'm like supporting him and saying, keep going, you're doing great. Some of you in this place tonight, you need to hear that from the Spirit of God, go and do. Answer the call, go do the task, deal with the debt. Whatever it is that you go to bed at night and it's looming over you, turn around and face that giant and stop being passive and controlled by fear and overcome whatever that thing is. Amen? Number seven, take inventory. Businesses take inventory daily, monthly, quarterly, annually for what? To find what's missing and to find what's in excess. So take inventory of your life. What's missing? What's in excess? Number eight, purge. And I do not mean the scary movie. <laughs> I know you. Uh-huh. Y'all laughing because you saw it. Don't go see that movie. Number eight, purge. Look, clean out. Make room in your life. Clean out your schedule. Look, we still have so many hours in our schedule. If something needs to be cleaned out, clean it out. Get it off. Nope, I can't do that. That's too much. That's got to go. I can't do that. That's too much. Go to your pantry. Clean it out. Go clean out underneath your bed. Go clean out that storage unit in your house that's housing all the rats in the neighborhood. Clean out. Purge. Clean out. Some of you ladies got six feet of shoes stacked up on top of each other in the bottom of your closet. Clean it out. Okay, but what about beyond the, the practical, like, life stuff? Clean out your heart. Take inventory of your heart. What's missing? I tell Matt sometimes, I'm like, this is going to sound really stupid. I'm all, Matt, babe, can you fill my love tank? <laughs> And what does that mean? That means I've given out a lot this week, babe, and I am empty. I got nothing left. I'm empty. I'm a wet noodle. Can you fill my love tank? What does that usually mean? Um, feed me and tell me I'm pretty. <laughs> like, <laughs> go pick up some carry out. Spend some time with me. Tell me you love me. And after a few hours, I'm good to go. As long as I have a full belly and a full heart, I'm good to go. 
But take inventory. Clean out your heart. Say, what's missing? What do I need? Talk, talk it out. Communicate. But then also, what if there's unforgiveness or bitterness or, or, or perversion or something in the heart that needs to be purged and cleaned out? So then it can be replaced with the things that God wants to have in it. Number nine is know your limits. God didn't create robots. He didn't create cyborgs. He created you with a unique gifting and ability, strengths and weaknesses. Real quick, I was at the, the, the retreat with the girls, and I was sitting there watching, and Vanessa shimmied on up that rock wall like she was Spider-Man. And I was watching her, and she did the hard one, like the one that came out. And she was, like, hanging up there like Spider-Man. And I was like, I can do that. No, I can't do that. But the year before, I had just had, two years before, I had just had surgery, and I went up the easiest part of the wall. And so I was like, I think I can do that. So I went over there, and I told the girl. She was strapping me in. And I was like, I can't do that. And she goes, yes, you can. And I go, no, I can't. Let's do the, like, two down from what she did, easier. And she goes, oh, you can for sure do that. And I was like, I don't think I can. She's like, no, you can. You're tall. I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> so I get, like, I get just a little ways up, not even halfway, and I'm like, I can't do this. Like, I, I know I cannot do this. This is beyond my ability. And I'm, like, yelling down at the girl, I can't do it. She's like, you can. I'm like, no, I know I can't. I'm telling you I can't. So finally I'll just let go, come down, and then I go to try the easy side, the easiest one. And I couldn't do that either. Why? Yes, Johnny got it. I was already tired from the hard one. Know your limits. And I came down, and I was like, see, that's why it's good to know your limits. And she's like, no, you're supposed to test your limits. I'm like, girl, you don't know what I've been through. You do not know the summer I have had. I know my limits, and I, I have pushed my limits. Today is not that day. Not today, Satan. Today is not that day. Know your limits. Be honest with yourself. <laughs> Moving on. Number 10, listen to counsel. Proverbs eleven fourteen. without wise leadership, a nation falls. There is safety in having many advisors. Guys, circle that one and apply it, please. If you don't apply anything else, when you walk out of here tonight, apply that one. If there's not somebody in your life, anybody, anybody, one person, somebody, that can sit you down and say, you're off, your life is off, something ain't right, something's wrong, if there's not one person in your life that can, from the outside looking in, sit you down and you will listen to them, there's not safety. I'm going to skip down for sake of time. Number 11 is apply wisdom and understanding. We already talked about that. Number 12, work hard. Proverbs 6, 6 through 11 says, take a lesson from the ant, you lazy bones. <laughs> Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer gathering food for the winter. But you, lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit and scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. Work hard. The ant works hard, and it doesn't have a boss knocking on its door going, hey, when are you going to have that for me? 
hey, when are you going to, hey, when are you going to, and your husband's like, hey, when are you going to, and your wife is like, hey, when are you going to, I asked you. They don't have anybody telling them or looking over their shoulder. They just get the job done. Work hard. Wake up. Work the plan. Work the plan. Look, have goals in your life. Maybe your goal is to graduate from college. Um, what's another one? Um, save $10,000. Whatever they are, they're not going to happen if you don't work the plan today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Work the plan every day. Be consistent. And the next one and the last one is number 13, rest well. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Isaiah actually speaks of people who forgot the Sabbath and chased after their own ways on the Sabbath day, and it brought a curse onto their life. Rest is important to God. It's important to your present, and it's important to your future. If you don't get enough rest, it affects your mental function. (laughs) If I don't get enough rest, I can't think straight. If I don't get enough food, I can't think straight. Some of you just need rest. It affects your muscle development, your spiritual acuteness. The one simple basic requirement from the Bible is one day off. One, that's the basic. At least you should be doing that. In fact, if you're not taking one day off, you're breaking the Ten Commandments, people. One day off and keeping it holy. So check your Sabbath. Ask yourself, do I have a Sabbath? And I have some resources there that a lot of this comes from, is from the book Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and also a book called Boundaries. I highly recommend those books. You could go on this for months. Also, Boundaries, they have boundaries for kids. They have boundaries in work. They have boundaries in marriage. They have lots of books on this. So let's stand and pray real quick.